Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. everybody welcome to this episode of true crime and cocktails we're so glad that you're here as always i am your host lauren ash and as always i am joined by my co-hostess with the mostess christy oxborough how you doing oh i'm doing great i uh i was i had a little extra time in my day prior to uh the record usually i'm just crossing that finish line when you're like are you ready uh but this time I had I had the day because I was a, a day in advance. So I'm like, oh, OK, well, what am I going to do? Well, I have a large to do list. I had to make decorations. Had to. I don't have to. I choose to. Uh, I, one of my children, uh, my middle one turns 11 tomorrow. Wowzer. So uh, I, I always make them decorations that so when they come out in the morning, they see happy birthday with their name and something that they're into at the time. Um and so I just run with it. So today I was like, I've got to make these decorations because I just haven't had time. Yeah. And then that somehow turned into, well, I have my laptop open so I can see kind of what I'm drawing. Um, maybe I also have a show running on the laptop. Sure. And the show I chose was The Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. Now, I do believe you have not seen it. I have not. I binged the first two seasons. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, But of course, because of COVID, it hasn't been around in Mm -hmm. a bit. Season three just came out in June, but I haven't had time. Uh, Getting back into it today, I think I'm five episodes deep now. (laughs) I I forgot how much I loved it. I think it's a really great show. And I'm going to say, hey, oh, Diego. (laughs) Because... (laughs) He, I, I was never like 
I know these names mean nothing to you, uh, but Klaus was always my guy because he's just so funny and flighty and I love him. But Luther, good God, he's a beast of a man. Uh, how do you not like that? But then Diego was always this character that I'm like, oh, okay, he's feisty. He'll stab you if the mood hits. So I'm like, I, I don't dislike him, but I'm not, you know, big on him. And this one, for some reason, as soon as... He like made a face and was like, what's this? And I was like, I get that, Diego. I'm on board. So immediately, um, season three is his season, apparently. Oh, I see. Sure. I've just yeah. pulled up a photo. So I had of some sort of frame of reference here. Of Got course. it. Got you. The gentleman who plays Luther is six, five, I think. Maybe taller. I'm, I'm interested in that. He's, that's re- he's that's very, relevant very to tall. my interests. Yeah. I thought you'd like that. But yeah, it's a weird show, but. Also, because uh, it's based on a, com- a graphic novel series, I think, by Gerard Way. Oh, yeah. Who I was wow. obsessed with. Of course. And for a very small chunk of time in my life, I thought I was going to marry. Of course. Now, I believe it also yeah. shoots in Toronto. That does sound right. That would be a treat for me. Because, well, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to try and see the sights and perhaps the actors that you know, you know. Well, you know who was in an episode that I uh, just saw that uh, threw me off because I didn't see it coming. Jason Priestley. Callum Keith Rennie. No shit. Yeah. Oh, I was jazzed. I, was I jazzed. would be jazzed too. I would be jazzed too. Callum Keith Rennie, for those who don't know, uh, beloved Canadian actor, stars in yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time, Hardcore Logo, uh, Bruce McDonald. Yeah. I've talked about it. I've talked about it, I think, that movie on the show before. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that very yeah. much. Well, listen, we've got lots to catch up on because yeah. in terms of viewing, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, I yeah. finally, and I know, dear listeners, you're getting sick of me talking about Chris Evans, but listen, Who I could? finally, I thank you very much. I finally got a chance to watch The Gray Man. Oh! And <laughs> I got to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I... I look forward. I had been putting it off because, because you know, we're very busy. And I mean, I yeah. know everybody's busy, but I was like, I want it to be dedicated viewing because I always have a show on. I like to have the noise and, and whatever. And I like to be able to dip in and dip out. But then I finally said to myself, Lauren, watch it even if you can't be yeah. fully in it because you can rewatch it and you're, you gotta, you gotta get on top of this. Sure. Um, so I, it was mostly dedicated, uh, mostly dedicated viewing. And I got to say, and listen, obviously, it goes without saying, Lloyd Hansen, one of the greatest villains on film of all time, in my oh, opinion. Oh, um, he was giddy being a was, villain, and I loved it. It oh, worked. It really he was also an excellent tapped, villain. He was, he was excellent. It tapped into my crush that I had on Heath Ledger's Joker. Of course. And I know what you're thinking. The character, the Joker? No, no. Um, yes, but no, but in that... Heath Ledger's Joker specifically. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jared Leto's Mm -hmm. Joker, no thank you. Any of the other Jokers, no. But Heath Ledger's Joker, that one for me. And I know what that says about me. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that Lloyd Hansen tapped into that same part of my my psyche where I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, love the trash stash. Anyway. Of course. Everybody knows that I could talk about Chris Evans until I'm blue in the face. But what I do want to give a shout out to is I didn't realize... How long I think it had been since we've seen Ryan Gosling in something. Sure. And from the beginning of that movie straight till the end, does he deliver? Ah! Ah! 
I thought he was fabulous. Yeah. Those fight <laughs> scenes, the fight scene oh. between, between the two of them too. I, I filmed, mm-hmm. I did a live reaction on uh, Instagram, on my Instagram story last night. And it was, it was very genuine. I was like, Jesus. Like it was like, they, 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 they really, yeah. it was such a testament to two actors who clearly are very committed to wanting it to be as real and slick and rehearsed as possible because I was like, they sold it. It really looked like they were beating the hell out of each other. I thought it was really well done. Yes. Oh, I I made multiple inappropriate (laughs) noises during that movie without even meaning to. It was just like a primal, guttural, like, oh, yeah. Like I was on board. With all of it. Um, I've I've loved Ryan Gosling for years. Yeah, uh, I watched him way back in the day on Mickey Mouse Club. Um, although I was uh, more interested in Tony, I believe his name was, uh, back then. But then Gosling did a show on YTV called Breaker High. Of course. Where they all get up, like all these teenagers in high school on a cruise ship sailing around the world. One time I watched, I rewatched the series as an adult with a map of the world. And I drew on each for each episode, like their path of how they would have taken. And it was bananas and all over the place, but what a joy. I love that show so much, but Gosling was just like the comedic character. I mean, there was, I, I, of course, was obsessed with uh, the guy who played Max Ballard, a.k.a. the son of the captain, who was very brooding, and you just knew he was a musician. Um, And then I was also obsessed with Jimmy, who is Tyler Labine. Of course. I thought I had such a huge crush on him, but Ryan Gosling, I was like, he's funny, but there's just nothing there for me. And then he did a little movie called The Notebook. Oh, yes. And I was like, I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, hello, Mr. Gosling. Uh, and I was hello, oh, baby goose. Yeah, I was sold. Sold. How are we not calling him the goose? Oh, yeah, or, or little goose, baby goose. Oh, I'm, he I'm must into have, it. He must hate that. He must have he gotten must, that. You're right. It? Yeah, you're right. Uh, but he, like, once he got to that notebook point, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. And then you see The Gray Man. I've seen many of his films between then. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love is one of my favorites. Um, But The Notebook? Yeah, okay. The Gray Man? Oh, dear God, please. (laughs) Blanche! Your people, Blanche is with us, everybody. Ryan Ryan Gosling in that, in The Gray Man specifically, from the second, like right out the gate, the second his face is on screen. Oh my God. Like I, if we did the Blanche's list again, yeah, I don't know if anybody else could stand up to him with the picture that I have in my head of him. What? Currently. What about Paul Rudd? I'd need to see Paul Rudd with a gun. What? <laughs> Okay. What about Matt LeBlanc? Uh, 
why? The fact that there's even been that long a pause. I know. I know. I love, I love, I love Matt. I really do. Um, I just, oh God, Ryan Gosling in that movie. I mean, he, he, he did things to the inside of me that I didn't know were possible. I don't know what that even means. The point is, uh, he is uh, Blanche List material. Wow. Well, listen, he, we're going to have to, I think we're going to have oh. to have a redo. I, I Well, and I will have to always picture him from that movie specifically because he was charming. He was funny. He was like not too big, not too small, you know, like he was like a nice meaty size, meaty size. You're not ordering <laughs> dinner or are you? Well, no, stop it. I can't. Again, also his Barbie haircut, like the, the dye job they gave yeah. him in Barbie. Yeah. I want to see that movie so bad. Like I, I will buy tickets now if it's possible. I know it's not because they're still filming, I think. Sure. But that dye job. Took Gosling from dad to daddy. <laughs> and I, oh God, like I, I don't, he is going through it right now in the best way possible. Like he's having a revolution is what he's having. I double checked his last movie prior to this was 2018. So I, he did take oh, some wow. time off. I think yeah. he wanted to, to, you know, be a dad and all of that, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, I yeah he's he is he's he, we're in the Renaissance of Ryan. Ryanaissance. Oh, there it is. I also just want to give a quick shout out to the movie Drive because I think Ryan oh, Gosling. Loved that I loved it, and that was one of the first times I gushed and said the words "You could teach an acting class based on his choices," uh, and was very earnest because he's mostly silent. It's mostly a silent performance, which I think is very difficult, and it's very easy to like telegraph or be hammy or whatever and he just nails it i want to remind you i also said to sterling k brown's face that, <laughs> that you could teach a class based on your acting choices sterling k brown uh that again was uh that was a day he's lovely and was kinder hey. to me than he needed to be i'm lucky that he uh he took that as as well as he did but it was i mean it was being very genuine but i just loved him in the people versus oj i'm derailing of the course. point is the third Juice. person that i said that about publicly Juice. was of course <laughs> was of course pedro pascal uh yeah. on the season two finale of the mandalorian um I said you could teach an, an acting class based on his choices, and I stand by that too. So those are that's the trifecta of that for me. Um, oh, okay, mm -hmm. those are the three performances and the the three actors. Uh, I mean, there's so many more, but those are just the three that I've said it either uh, you know publicly, privately, or to the actual person. Which again, uh, embarrassing, but no. from a good place, from I a think kindness, that's positive, from a kindness. If I was an actor and someone said something like that to me, I'd be like, no shit, and I'd be I'd be tickled. Yeah. No, yeah, listen, I would be flattered too. Um, you know, no one said it to me yet, so I guess I, I don't know. I'm kidding. No, people have been very, very kind about my performances, so I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, anyway, point is, uh, yeah, I am very excited about this Ryanaissance, and I thought yeah. the Man was so great. And I really yes. am, like, loving, I love that it was just like a classic action movie. You know what I mean? Yes. It was just like, here's the characters. Here's the story. 
It's yeah. not based on anything that's already existed or, or you know what I mean? I, I, I really enjoyed that. I think that there's a yeah. real kind of, um, there's so much that's in terms of movies now that it's like based, it's a remake or a reboot or it's based on IP or, you know, it's sure. a comic book or whatever. And it was just so nice to watch just a like classic action film, a really yeah. well done action film. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, 100%. Um, I am giddy, giddy about the second one. I'm very hesitant because I'm worried that they're going to be like, oh, well, we got to go over the top to compare. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just do exactly what you did. Now, I want to ask you a question, but it is a spoiler, dear listeners. So if you don't want the spoiler, skip ahead or plug your ears. I'll make it quick. Yeah. On three, one, two, three. I do. Hmm. I'm so sorry. I could see, I mean, I would be fascinated in a prequel of Lloyd and his dealings. <laughs> but do you also you know? think it's possible that they pulled him out of that water like Darth Vader and like made him <laughs> more robot than man? Like, I could see that. I know. I know, Lauren. It's, you know, you this want is it my for heart. You. You want it's my it heart for talking. You. It's yeah. my heart talking. Anyway. Um, yeah. Listen, before we get into the show, there's something that we need to address. There was an announcement on social media that Dane Cook has gotten engaged. Mm -hmm. And there are a few reasons we want to talk about this. Now, do you have the name of the gal he's he's engaged to? Kelsey Taylor. Thank you very much. Now, there's a bit of an age gap. And we're not here to judge people and their love and age gaps and whatnot. But it's a significant age gap. He is currently 50 And she is currently 23. 23. And the reason, dear listeners, we wanted to talk about this is not only because it's in the pop culture zeitgeist, and we talk about pop culture stuff on the the top of this show regularly, but because Lauren Ash always saves her receipts. Of course. And she got a little tea to spill. So they met five years ago when this gal was allegedly 18. Yes. And Dane would have been 45. Yes. So we can we can percolate on that for a second and we'll, we'll get into we'll get into our thoughts and opinions on mm. that. But five years ago, good old Ash here, she was on an app and saw Dane Cook and noticed that he was verified, first of all. So it was a verified account, which of you course. can be. This was, I believe, on Tinder. And uh I haven't done Tinder in years, but point being. Um, you can be verified, which means that it definitely is the person that it's claiming to be. It's not a catfish situation. It's sure. legit. And on that profile, he was claiming to be 32. This was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, we can look, we, we can post this to our socials. I don't care. It's uh, it's just a, this is real. So anyway, sure. five years ago, he was claiming to be 32, but we know for a fact, and again, there's the timestamp on there and everything. Yeah, he was 45. So he yeah. was lying about his age by 13 years. Yeah. Now, a couple of reasons why I think that this is extremely relevant. One, in general, uh, men in my experience on dating apps love to complain about women lying about their ages, and to that I say, it's it's not just Dane Cook doing it. First of all, and second of all, 13 years is is offensive um to people's intelligence. But to that I yeah. say, this times out with when he would have allegedly started dating this gal 
who allegedly would have been 18 at the time. Let's yeah. say for argument's sake she was. We'll get into some other things in a second. Sure. But let's say that she was. He would have been a 45-year-old man on Tinder saying he was 32 who had set his settings to include 18-year-olds. Now, yeah. an 18-year-old girl, could I see her going for someone who is 30, 32? I could see that more than I could sure. see an 18-year-old gal potentially going for someone 45. Um Am, do I know that that's how they met? No. Do I know that he was luring 18-year-olds that way? No. Do I think that it's interesting to mention, given this timeline and what we know to be true? Yes. But there's also some speculation that you have, dear Christy, isn't there? Oh, I I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on this. Um, so, I... While I was in and amongst my uh, Umbrella Academy decoration happening, I uh, I, I started looking into, I, I, w I went through his account, I went through her account, I just wanted to see things. I googled, like, what's the timeline here? Because 18... Again, if if you if you have a 20 to 30 year age difference between you and your partner, you and your spouse, great. The problem I have is when the one of the people in that relationship, their age ends in teen. Yep. Someone in their 30s has no no reason to be with a teenager. So anyone older than that has no reason. Like even high 20s with an 18-year-old gross stop it get out of there what are you doing 45 well, also, yeah it's also no. suspect to me when they yeah. started dating when she was conveniently the the age of consent or 100%. the legal age right yes if it was like oh 19 21 would i think that that was you know it doesn't matter what i think the whole point is, is that it just seems even more suspect when it's like, well, I was 45 and she was 18. She was of age. It's like, was she? Or yeah. were, like, it just feels like a convenience when it wasn't like if she was, if they had said she was 19, 20, 21, it wouldn't bump me as hard as specifically being legal, 18. just legal. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I, uh, apparently in 2018, they did a, uh. Q&A in his Instagram stories mm -hmm. and someone asked how they met. He says they met at a game night that he hosted at his home. They stayed friends for a while. Uh, they soon fell in like with each other and then upgraded to love. So I'm dying to know. One, why was a teenager... At a 40-some-year-old guy's house party. Uh, two, like, who brought her? Her parents? Like, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, were, are you friends with her parents? Because this is weird. Uh, also, how long ago was that? Because how long were you two friends? I saw someone claim, I couldn't verify it, but someone claimed they met when she was 15, but started dating when she turned 18. Which again, it's like, let's, let's get real here for a second. If they, in my experience, yeah, watching 
a lot of documentaries. Of course. People don't tend to wait. It's just not human nature. Sure. Some people might. Some people might. But do I think that Dane Cook is a man who is, you know, godly or, um, you know, you know, uh, super moraled? No, I don't. And that's I know that sounds like a judgment, but we know for a fact he stole another comics material. We know for a fact that there's a lot of other you know what I mean? Like there's 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 character things here. That's my first point. My second point is this. The term we were friends for a while, we fell into like and then we fell into love. Let me tell you a little something about L.A. dating. You know what the term friends means? You can be friends with many people at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the definition of friends does not preclude sex. Sure. (laughs) Sorry. Like, there's lots of people that that have lots of friends that they have sex with regularly. You know what I mean? Like, like to me, it also, it's just creepy because to me, he hasn't denied anything. No. No. Um, there's a photo of her at one of his game nights in October 2016. Her birthday is October 26th. Uh, this would have been before that, so she would have been 17 at the time. Uh, so is that where they met? I don't know. There's another photo from July of 2016. It looks like her in the photo. It's a big group photo. I don't know if that was when they met or not. Again, I'm dying to know how long they were friends before officially dating. Uh, But they became Instagram official in April of 2017. And yet consider their anniversary to be in May because they posted uh, May 6th, 2019 uh, on Instagram about their second anniversary. However... In February of 2018, keep in mind, she turned 18 just the October before, so just months before, and they had, oh, sorry, no, she did the year before. Uh, They apparently, they came out, they were like, we're dating in April 2017. Right. So February 2018, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel and says, quote, We've been together almost two years. Their two-year anniversary was May of 2019. I understand that people can be like, oh, he was, he's a dude. He doesn't remember. You certainly remember if it was a year or more. If you're like, you've been together 10 plus years, I get it. If you're like 10, 11, something like that. But almost two years, to me, means they were together in 2016 when she was 17. Yeah, that's... Uh, is, what I, yeah. That, is what that means to me. That feels like a slip. It does. Yeah. And it was just such a gross, like, he obviously knows people are going to call him on this relationship. So the whole interview, which I couldn't even finish, uh, was him just being like, you know, oh, she's like my best friend, love of my life. Yeah, big age difference, 26 years. Yeah, uh, and I keep thinking, like, where's she been my whole life? And it turns out she wasn't even born yet. And, like, he's trying to go for it. And, like, people just aren't laughing because they're like, dude, this is, this is gross. Yes, because it's, again, look, 
Large age gaps can exist and people can be very happy and that is people's prerogative. Yes. When you are dealing with someone who is under 18, under 19, you're dealing with a child that is someone whose brain has not fully finished growing, that is someone that does not have the capacity to truly consent. There's a million layers and reasons that we don't have time to get into right now, but there's, again... It's a different thing. This isn't like someone who is even 25 and 45 is different. 25, you've you've gone through, you know, some more years of living. You are a fully-fledged adult. If you're talking about starting to date someone, because, yeah, I agree with you. It sounds to me like they definitely were dating when she was 17. And the use of the term friend is bullshit. Sorry. I think the, the truth is, is that they probably started dating either end of 2015 or early 2016. Sure. And he said, and then it was like, well, we'll just say that we were friends until ma- whenever it was like the math lined up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, because again, the term, he never said platonic. He said friends. And and again, if I've learned anything, it's uh, it's especially, you know, the young people, that, that's that's how they label so many things that, that sure. in my day, we called it something, called it something else. <laughs> Um, but you know what I'm it's, saying? It's like, yes. it's just, it's, it, and then it gets into a whole thing. He's a man who's, who's in a position of power. He's all of these difference of, it's just not, it's not great. It's not great on any level. No. And a again. A 40 year old man has no reason whatsoever to no. communicate with a teenager. No. Unless it's his child. Yep. He has no reason to communicate with her. If. For some reason, somebody brought her to his game night and he was like, oh, really hit it off with her? He's a fucking grown up. He should have been like, oh, wow, this is incredibly inappropriate. Her age ends in teen, which is a huge indicator that she's a teenager. Uh, And yeah, we're good. Done here. Back away. It's that easy. When the drinking age in the United States isn't 20, is uh, 21. Yeah. It feels like maybe that's somewhere to start. Yeah. Maybe that's the starting point, guys. You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm also dying to know, like, what do you talk about? I do remember hearing an interview where it was like, oh, she had no concept of any of my movies. And it's like, right, because they, you'd peaked. You'd peaked and failed by the time she was born. You were already in the denouement. You know what I mean? You were on the way Uh down, Dane. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah, I know. What do you talk about? It's a great question. It's a great question. And I think, too, look, without belaboring it, I will just say, I think it's very easy to convince ourselves of many things. And I think when, especially when we're young, we can convince ourselves of many things. And I truly hope for the best for her and for them. And I I hope that that she is happy and and resolute in that decision and that in five to six years we don't start to hear a different story that's my hope yeah because the way these things typically tend to go courtney stodden is a great example yeah where again for those who don't know courtney stodden and i'm blanking on his first name he's a character actor anyway he was i want to say doug yes hudgens doug hutchins thank you and courtney stodden he was, I believe, in his 50s, and Courtney, who uh, uh, uses they, them pronouns, last I had heard, um, was in their teens. 
Jesus. And needed he needed permission from their parents. And at the time, they defended it, uh, and they felt great. And of course, over time, and now the time has passed, and and they have had time to grow and become an adult and all of the above. Um, sure. Courtney has, has communicated that it was a very different experience and that there oh, was grooming and, and all kinds of things going on there. Um, which is again, I just really hope for the best because we don't care for that. So no. there you go. A little side note before we even get going, a little true crime adjacent side note. And before we get going, I got to ask him, what you drinking over there? Oh, um, I'm just doing a water and a folk. I didn't uh, get too exciting today. Well, guess what? I've got it yeah. for both of us then because I'm trying a new flavor of high noon. It's a guava. Oh, okay. A guava. Yeah, it yeah. It tastes nice. I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a couple, so um, it's going down real good. That's nice. I like that for you. Thank you very much. Because why not? It's been It's been a week, you know? A month? Yeah. It's been a week. And it's only Wednesday. Anyway. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway. You're um, right. Listen, we're going to yeah. get into today's case. The case we're talking about is, of course, Rennie Joes. This is the June patrons poll winner over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Cocktails. We have a monthly poll where our patrons vote on an episode that we will cover on this feed in the show. We have bonus episodes, all sorts of fun things. So check that out if you'd like to learn more. But for now... Rennie Joes, let's get into it. Yeah. Rennie Joes went to Florida for spring break in 2014 with a group of 22 students from Rice University. Just days into the trip, Rennie mysteriously disappeared. All his belongings, including his cell phone, were found at the rental house. So what happened to Rennie Joes? Do his fellow do, do his fellow students know more than what they've told the police? And how dangerous was the area where Rennie disappeared? Christy Hawksborough investigates. I love that I was writing a note for myself for later, uh, th- still thinking uh, Dane Cook in my brain. Uh, I was like, oh, God, is this going to lead to, like, an episode about male comedians? Well, we've got a long list to draw from because <laughs> well, that's they're the- problematic at best. Yeah, because immediately I was like, oh, I, I think I'd have to do one each because... I mean, Chris Delia alone. Yes, of course. There was that famous video clip where he learned that. Oh my god! Uh, you my can screenshot screenshot Snapchats, and we watched yeah. the darkness <laughs> encompass him, uh, envelop him, and then, of course, since then, it, there's been lots that have come out about what he's been doing with very young women. It's oh, he's yeah. so gross. There are just so many that I'm like, yeah. That seems, you know. Well, listen, put it on the list. Oh, it's it's on the list. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely there. So, uh, a disclaimer right off the top, uh, as always, this episode will contain mentions of substance abuse, rape, child abuse, and suicide. So, trigger warning for those who need it. Now, speaking of right out the gate, because I said it, and apparently I've also written it. Uh, I'm going to say today's case does not have a lot of information to it. Um, Yes, I do tend to be the one who chooses uh, what goes on the patron's poll. 
Uh, and I in no way regret uh, my choices. It's just, I, I hear a name, I Google it quickly just to get the bare bones and go, okay, great. Because I don't have time to do a deep dive into it to see, is there a ton? Uh, and this time, there was not. So, I will present everything that I have found. Uh, I've also added in extra tidbits for what I guess I'm calling educational purposes. I like that. I, you know, she always likes uh, a teaching moment. Uh, the main overarching theme, though, of this episode is spring break. Uh, since each school can be different as to when they set their holidays, spring break is typically between late February to mid-April, which is something I didn't know. I guess movies and TV taught me when I was growing up. Spring break was literally the same week for everybody. But I'm I'm learning now. Okay, innocent child, that is not what that was. Uh, again, just such a naive child. I think back to every thought I had back then, like how... Mark Paul Gosseler and I were a match made in heaven. I mean. Yeah. Naive child. Like when you were 17. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Me at 17. Like I. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that was. That was a train wreck. That was a train wreck. Um, and that was a girl. Who honestly, truly believed that her future husband was Chris Farley. <laughs> and I love that. Truly in my soul. I was like, we're like souls. We're twin flames. This is absolutely going to be the thing. And then I learned he dated models. <laughs> Model I was not. <laughs> so no, 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 not, not going to happen. Wasn't meant to be. Um, so spring break is often seen as like a rite of passage for college kids. It's just like a week-long, nonstop party. Usually there's sex. Apparently a lot of it is unprotected, and that that has me concerned. Um, but we're not getting into that today. Uh, there's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of alcohol. Uh, it's a time when students like to, if I may quote Miss Lauren Ash, get their yayas out. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, they have, you know, the stressful months of studying and all of that finally get to have their party. They're all ready to go. Uh, according to the regional director for sales at Hotel Beds, uh, approximately 1.5 million students travel for spring break and nearly another half million non-students travel to partake in spring break activities. Because spring break's... For everyone, I guess. Hmm. But again, if her age ends in teen, don't let her be seen. No, no, I wanted so badly for it to rhyme and it just didn't hit the way I wanted it to. I liked it. So, the idea of spring break started in 1938 when the swim team from Colgate College in Hamilton, New York, made a trip to Fort Lauderdale to join the college coaches' swim forum. 
Approximately 300 swimmers participated, and soon swimmers from all over the country were attending competitions in Florida, and by 1960, 20,000 students were arriving in town. Local businesses started to offer specials to entice the students into town, like all-you-can-drink beer for $1.50. Oh, boy. Which takes me back to us in Atlantis and the $2 drinks that... And the test tube shots. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a shock that led to our first kiss. <laughs> but that... <laughs> that's a, yeah, The people know already. The people know that... Uh, Do they? I, I think we mentioned it on a thing before, but the whole point, just, just to be clear, that was us <laughs> trying to make a man less attracted to us. It didn't work. It was it my mistake. It didn't work. She read the room. Poorly. And, and it uh, was in another language. No, yep. I don't. Again, trying to make uh, phrases that don't exist. So, For the record, it was our only kiss also. I mean, you yes. said it was our first kiss. <laughs> it was our only kiss. First and only. You're right. I should have, I should have, uh, I should have specified. It was an honor is the point. Oh, look. I, it, no way in this did I ever say I regretted it. Thank I'm you. I'm just saying. I mean, I could, I could be so lucky. You know, bless it out. Uh, but yeah, it's still one of my favorite stories ever because, oh, that guy's so gross. You know what? I'll let him know we're not interested. <laughs> yeah, in my, my brain, I reactions. thought if I made it clear that we were not interested in men uh-huh. and that would get him to leave. But I didn't realize I never anticipated that. Anyway, I think I, I think the listeners are putting two and two together anyway. Yeah. 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 So uh, so Fort Lauderdale. Or Fort Lickerdale, as many <laughs> students started to call it, soon became the primary spring break destination. According to OnlineSchools.org, by 1985, more than 370,000 students descended onto Fort Lauderdale for spring break, and things got a little rowdy. At least 2,500 students were arrested that year. City officials ended up shutting down various events. And it got to the point where the mayor outright said, students are no longer welcome in their city. Things have changed since then, though. Yeah. Uh, Alcohol was banned at the beaches. MTV was banned. I don't know how much that helped. But, you know. Mm -hmm. But as Fort Lauderdale started adding restrictions, multiple alternate party locations popped up in the area. The current most common spring break destinations in North America are Cancun, Mexico, South Padre Island, Texas, and Panama City Beach, Florida. Between Texas and Florida alone, students spend about $1 billion a year on spring break. Hmm. Which is insane um but i i get it i get it i would absolutely do the same um god probably even now what i wouldn't give to be able to have that kind of money at disneyland you know what i mean yep next time i get there it's getting sloppy uh while students currently travel all over the world for spring break florida seems to be the most popular of destinations the tampa bay times estimated that 570,000 students celebrated spring break in florida in 2022 while researching today's case i found so many deaths linked to spring break like an unsettling amount 
So before we delve into the main case, I wanted to talk about the overwhelming, darker side of spring break accidents. Uh, I found so many at one point I had to stop myself from looking for more because it got overwhelming. Plus, as a mother uh, of a teenager who is nearing college age, these stories just terrified me. (laughs) And I don't like to think about it. Uh, And as we go, you'll notice a shocking number of these accidents have the same cause of death. Uh, Which again, as a mother has given me a whole new set of fears. So, that's something. So, March 12th, 1985, 21-year-old Jeff Kulinick from the University of Central Florida lost his balance and fell six stories over a balcony. Two hours later, at another hotel, 21-year-old Sean Convery from Oxbridge, Ontario, fell while trying to swing from a sixth-floor balcony. It's the fact that it happened two hours apart at different hotels. Uh, In April 1986, 20-year-old Lorraine Day Buffington of Georgia fell six floors while trying to cross the balcony railing at a hotel in Daytona Beach, Florida. Less than seven hours later, 19-year-old Rory Savas of Wisconsin died after falling from his hotel balcony in Sanibel, Florida. Sanibel? Hmm. Uh, Lorraine was the sixth person to fall from a balcony between January and April of that year, but she was the first casualty. Oh, wow. In in 1988, four students fell from balconies in Daytona Beach in just three weeks. 19-year-old David Max Baldwin from Florida fell from a second-floor balcony at the Seashore Hotel. After being treated for internal injuries, David was released. The next day, 21-year-old David Brine from Youngstown University in Ohio fell from a fourth-floor balcony at the Voyager. He died from his injuries two days later. 24-year-old Jay Strickland from Mississippi fell four floors to his death from a balcony at the Seashore Hotel. He had just checked in at the hotel and was leaning over the railing when he fell onto the concrete pool deck. The fourth victim, 23-year-old David Irwin from Canada, fell three floors from a balcony at the Hawaiian Inn. According to police, prior to these four incidents, 34 students have fallen from balconies between 1984 and 1988. Seven of those students had died. In March 1998, 22-year-old Danielle Augustus from Kent State University in Ohio died from injuries sustained after falling from a third-story balcony through a plexiglass roof and into the pool. The incident occurred just minutes after Danielle checked in at the Desert Inn Resort Motel. Around the same time, 17-year-old high school student Nathan McCollum was in serious condition after falling 70 feet from a balcony at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Oh, my God. It is believed he suffered a collapsed lung and a ruptured spleen. Then 31-year-old Charles Pearson fell from the fifth floor balcony at the Holiday Inn in Daytona Beach. The last information I could find about Charles, he was in serious condition at Halifax Medical Center. Another unknown college student was badly injured after falling eight stories from a hotel in Panama City Beach. In 2010, 19-year-old Brandon Kohler from Georgia fell to his death from a balcony in Panama City Beach. Just days later, Matt James fell from a fifth-story balcony 
at a day's inn, Matt was on a trip with 40 students and six chaperones from St. Xavier School in Cincinnati, Ohio. Matt had been drinking heavily when he leaned over the railing to wave a finger at the people in the next room. While his death was an accident, police said that criminal charges would be filed if they could determine who supplied Matt with alcohol, as he was just 17 years old. Matt was also an offensive tackle who had been recruited by Notre Dame. And we're talking like six foot six, 290 some pounds. So uh, it would also probably take quite a lot of alcohol to get him to that stage. So again, who's supplying a 17 year old with alcohol? Maybe they needed more chaperones. Is it going to be me like our uh, Natalie Holloway episode where I'm just yelling about chaperones the whole time? It's possible. I don't blame you. Yeah. It's unsettling. Uh, So March 2016, 20-year-old Tyler Douglas Gilmore from Indiana died after falling from a multi-story parking garage during his spring break in Panama City Beach. In April 2017, 16-year-old Daniela Flores and 17-year-old Amber Franco both fell from the top floor of Camelot by the Sea Hotel in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And 19-year-old Ahmed Altay Altai from Henry Ford College in Michigan died after falling from a seventh floor balcony in Cancun, Mexico in March of 2019. And then we got March 7th, 2022, 18-year-old Aiden Navarez, Navarez from Arizona State University died shortly after arriving in Cabo San Lucas. Aiden climbed a small wall in front of a tree outside his hotel and fell down the 20-foot drop on the other side. Days later, an unknown 22-year-old woman drowned in Cancun after being pulled out by strong currents. But not all spring break-related deaths are innocent accidents. Between February and March 2021, Police said that due to brawls and property damage, they made more than a thousand arrests over spring break in Florida. In 2022, there were all numerous shootings during the spring break. It left one dead and 46 injured. And after five people were shot in one weekend in March 2022, Miami Beach declared a state of emergency, which leads us to a few non-accidental deaths during spring break. On March 18, 2021, 24-year-old Christine Engelhart of Pennsylvania was found dead in a hotel room at Albion Hotel in Miami Beach. A medical examiner ruled Christine's cause of death to be, quote, prone positioning while under the influence of fentanyl and ethanol. Christine had met 21-year-old Evoir Collier and 24-year-old Dorian Taylor at a restaurant where they gave Christine a green pill and followed her to her hotel room. Collier, 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 uh, sorry, and Taylor then raped her multiple times, including at least once when she was unconscious. Then they stole her credit cards and left. Taylor was last seen on cameras using Christine's credit card at a liquor store. The suspects, who were both from North Carolina, have been charged with credit card fraud, theft, sexual battery, and burglary with battery. 
Taylor faces an additional murder charge as he sold fentanyl-laced drugs to 21-year-old Walter Riley, who thought he was buying Percocet. Walter later overdosed and was found unconscious in Miami Beach just two days after Christine's death. On March 23rd, 37-year-old Christopher Lawrence Cox was charged with one count of murder and one count of attempted murder after he fatally shot a 14-year-old boy and wounded the boy's 14-year-old stepbrother in Panama City Beach. Cox claimed he shot the kids after they tried to steal his backpack. The suspect and the victims were all from Kentucky. So, wait a second. So did he yeah. know them from Kentucky? You may not know the answer to that. That's as far seems... as I can tell, they don't. But I yeah, it I felt like it was an odd thing, but yeah, as far as I can tell, they didn't. What are the chances of that? I know, right? In yeah, wow. I mean, it's it is overwhelming to think about I mean, listen. I have dogs and a cat and I when I drop one of them off at the vet, I cry. I don't know how you people with human children do it. I don't know how you let them go into the world. I commend you. I feel like I would want to wrap them in bubble wrap and keep them in a box in my home. Um, yep. Obviously, I would never do that. Uh, but yeah, these stories are chilling. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, yeah. like, it, it, it gets me to a point where I'm just like, oh... Any sort of school trip? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, I'm just... Oh, yeah. It it, it doesn't ever get easier sending them yeah. out there. You're like, when they're little and they're going out for the first time, you're like, oh, it's tough because you're like, they're just a baby. And then when they get older, you're like, oh, no. He acts 13. Yeah. He shouldn't shouldn't be out there. Yeah, the idea of of my son physically driving a car turns my stomach in a way that I can't describe. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Yeah. I can barely handle him driving a vehicle. I get that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It also feels like, again, as you said, the chaperone situation. I don't know. Oh. For 40 kids with six chaperones. I mean, I get it, but I just, I feel like when I went on that one trip to Florida, we had way more chaperones than that. But that also, I could be wrong. I could be completely conflating what the truth was. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe but, from a kid's angle, I could see it being like, that is way too many. Yeah. Six? Oh, like I can see it being like, ah, oh, buzzkill. But as an adult, I'm like, that's a lot of kids per adult. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know, but uh. well, listen, that brings us to our first break, dear listeners. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, grab a drink, hit the can, and we'll be right back with more on Rennie Joe's on this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're, of course, talking the case of Rennie Joes. Before the break, Christy was outlining the reasons why no parents sleep when their children go to spring break. Yeah. Um, Fort Liquordale is something I've never heard before and something that I will think of often. Uh, what do we got next? Well, I know the dear listeners are like, surely now she's going to mention the case that they've mentioned and teased us with multiple times and to that i say not yet my pet that's like not that. a statement it is not now. yet my pet can i be the pet you always are oh bless your heart mm. oh well we are going to obviously continue talking about spring break again i'm not a prude i get spring break i get the point of it i get the yayas. i get all of that i'm just saying Oh, from a parent's standpoint, it's a horror show. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Nightmare so, fuel. Nightmare. Yes. Um, I want to specifically focus on 2014 uh, and Panama City Beach, Florida, because that is where our case, which I promise I will talk about, um, was, happened. Police said that spring break crowds in 2014 were bigger than ever before. And since most of the spring breakers were armed, it felt like a war zone. Oh, my God. One officer said, quote, when several thousand drunken breakers gather up on the beaches, it gets almost impossible to control them. In March 2014, there were 26 weapons seized and 772 arrests. Sadly, those numbers continued to get worse as there were 935 arrests in March 2015 and over 1,000 in 2021. And the 2025 spring break in Panama City Beach was so bad that it effectively changed spring break there forever. There was a violent video um, of a gang rape that circulated on social media. It happened during broad daylight in front of hundreds of people. Who did nothing to stop it. Uh, then on March 28, 2015, 22-year-old David Jamichael Daniels entered a party of more than 100 people and started to fire a 40 caliber handgun. He shot seven people. Um, all seven were between the ages of 20 and 22, and three were students from Alabama A&M University visiting for spring break. Thankfully, all seven victims did survive. They had varying degrees of injury, but they lived. In 2016, Daniels was found guilty of seven counts of attempted murder and sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences, as well as an additional 15 years for shooting into an occupied building. In August 2021, a filmmaker made a movie about the incidents surrounding the 2015 spring break in Panama City Beach. It's called 52 Days, The Triangle. It stars 
Eric Estrada, who I randomly brought up on a previous episode, which feels, you know, synchronicity that he's coming up again. Uh, it is set to release sometime in 2022. Interesting. But again, my focus is 2014. So let's look briefly at what was happening in Panama City Beach in 2014 before we move to the case at hand. Uh, on March 3rd, 2014, there was a fatal crash between a Harley-Davidson motorcycle and a Chevy Equinox. 71-year-old Joyce uh, Mitchell was headed north on Moylan Road around 5 p.m. when she attempted to make a left turn onto Clarence Street and collided with a motorcycle carrying 54-year-old Scott H. Davis and 48-year-old Melissa DeBerry. Scott and Melissa, who were not wearing helmets at the time, were both pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, March 11th, 18-year-old Bruce George hit a scoot car being driven uh, being driven by 22-year-old Bra- Brandon Beverly. Brandon was ejected from the vehicle. Uh, he was taken to hospital where he later died from his injuries. Bruce's blood alcohol level was 0.159, which is nearly twice the legal limit. In December 2014, Bruce pleaded no contest to DUI manslaughter charges and was sentenced to just over 10 years. After his sentence is complete, Bruce will be required to speak with high school students twice a year about the dangers of drunk driving, as well as give a presentation to the Bay County Chamber of Commerce on how his spring break decisions affected his life. I've never heard i i mean the idea of speaking to high school students great idea i've never heard give a presentation to the chamber of commerce before yeah that's interesting yeah uh according to the cdc someone is killed every 31 minutes in drunk driving accidents but during spring break that number increases by as much as 23 percent A study showed that during spring break, traffic accidents among drivers under the age of 25 increases by 9.1%. During spring break in Texas in 2021, authorities said there were 872 DUI-related traffic accidents, which resulted in 30 fatalities and 107 injuries. Uh, At 10 a.m. on May 9, 2014, housekeeping staff found the bodies of Robert and Susan Marcinkus uh, in a unit that they rented in Tidewater condominiums in Panama City Beach. Police believe that Robert fatally shot Susan before taking his own life. No motive has ever been found, but both Susan and Robert were 63 at the time of their deaths, and they had been married for 42 years. Interesting. Yeah. Again, Panama City Beach 2014. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, July 2014, 25-year-old Brian Hayes McManus of Arkansas died after his personal watercraft collided uh, nearly head-on with a commercial boat. But now that I've just horrified everyone with so much violence, let's get into it. Yep. Rennie Mon Joes, who went by Rennie, was born May 21st, 1992, to George and Shirley Joes. He was born and raised in Albany, New York. Rennie was described as happy-go-lucky, loving, intelligent, and the life of the party. He liked volleyball and was incredibly close with his family, who described Rennie as the rock that holds their family together. 
He graduated from Shaker High in Latham and went on to take mechanical engineering at Rice University, where he maintained a 4.0 grade point average. It's literally written GPA in my notes. Don't know why I felt the need to read the whole thing out, but there we go. Uh, He was expected to graduate with honors in May 2014. So late February 2014, Rennie and 22 other students from Rice University drove 643 miles or 1,035 kilometers east from Houston, Texas to Panama City Beach, Florida for spring break. The large group rented a two-story beach house on the 21,000 block of Front Beach Road. I couldn't find the exact date of their arrival, but March 3rd was considered to be the fourth day, so I'm assuming they arrived on either the Thursday or Friday, uh, February 28th. Rennie was last seen Monday, March 3rd, between 6.30 and 7 p.m. near the rental house. His friends reported him missing the next day around 11 a.m. Police discovered Rennie's clothes and cell phone were in a trash can behind the beach house around 11.30 a.m. According to the beach cleanup patrol, Rennie's clothes weren't on the beach when they passed by at 6 a.m., meaning the cleanup patrol did not place the clothes in the garbage. Rennie's laptop, wallet, and suitcase were all in the bedroom at the rental. Rennie's family were notified on March 4th around 3 p.m. They arrived in Panama City Beach on March 5th at 11 p.m., and when they arrived, the Joes family said there was no active search happening for Rennie. They reached out to New York politicians and made a press release about the lack of a search And shockingly, that was the push the cops needed. And on Thursday, a search was started 72 hours after Rennie went missing. Wow. Bay County Sheriff's Office Air Unit searched the area and surrounding beaches using helicopters. Due to the location of the rental house, a Marine unit and the Coast Guard searched the Gulf of Mexico, but they found no evidence that Rennie went into the water. In fact, they found no evidence of Rennie at all, and as of August 2022, Rennie has not been seen or heard from since. Rennie Joes was 21 at the time of his disappearance. He was described as a male of Indian descent, 5'10", 185 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. According to the Joes family, of the 22 students who stayed at the beach house with Rennie, 16 of them left town and went back to Texas less than 24 hours after Rennie went missing. And of the six students who remained behind, two refused to speak with the family, and the other four gave conflicting stories as to what happened. Interesting. One even hired a lawyer immediately. Police told Rennie's family that the 16 students had all been interviewed, And when the family asked for the interview transcripts, the police said they would supply them. When the family were finally given the transcripts, they noted only some of the students were interviewed and the interviews were conducted over the phone after the family requested the transcripts. No. Of the 22 other students who made the trip with Rennie, I know the names of 19, 
I'm not going to list them all off because that feels incredibly boring to me and not overly useful because while I know some of the names, I don't know which 16 students left the state immediately. I can say from what I can tell based on the photos I have seen, 13 of the 21 were Caucasian. So while I won't rule it out completely, I don't think that Rennie's disappearance was racially motivated, at least if the students he went with are involved. If he had been the only person of color, then I would potentially think that could be something. Uh, And just for the record, of the 23 students, Rennie included, three or four were female. Three for sure, but there's one student I don't know because I don't know the name and I know 19 names and I've seen 21 photos because right. his family has have been posting about these kids. And I look, I I'll say it. I got deep into some of their Facebook profiles. One in particular, he was friends with almost all of these kids. So it was very easy to find everybody. Um, but of the ones I went through, um, of the profiles that were accessible, not one of them had ever posted anything about Rennie missing when it first happened. Which, okay, I know that kids now are like Facebook. Nobody uses Facebook. But in 2014, Facebook was still a relatively young person's game. As young as it ever ever was. I don't know if it was ever super young, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, None shared a missing poster or mentioned publicly that their friend was missing in any way. And I shouldn't be surprised when most of them skipped town so quickly after he went missing. But there are a couple of things that bugged me about some of their profiles. First, there's a guy named JR. Just three days after Rennie's disappearance, JR was posting about how good some basketball player was, specifically James Harden. I know, Houston Rockets, I get that. And sure, yeah, he's great. Uh, But that just, the timing felt weird. And then three days after that, he posted, quote, Pharrell's album is too hot. And I know, I, I mean, I'm not suggesting every single thing he posts has to be about the fact that he knows someone who's missing. And it's possible, because it was such a large group, that maybe they didn't really know each other at all. But just to go on with life as usual feels particularly gross to me. Maybe that was how he was handling it. I don't know. And then there's a guy named Martin, although he's European, so it could be like Martin, uh, who left Rice in May 2014. He transferred back to the University of Copenhagen, where he had gone to school a year before uh, his year at Rice. And maybe it was just a single year exchange program, but I, of course, wondered, did he leave to distance himself? I don't know. He It could be a completely innocent thing. Maybe it was one year and that was all he was planning to do. But as the X-Files has taught Lauren, who has taught me, trust no one. Trust no one. Then there's a guy named Nathaniel, who doesn't mention Rice University in his bio even though he lists every job he's ever had and the fact that he went to Phoenix Institute in 2016. So then I'm all skeptical and wondering, 
Did he purposely try and hide his Rice affiliation? There was a single photo of him posted at his grad in May 2014, where Rice University was tagged. But that's the only thing about Rice ever mentioned in his profile, which I find interesting because if he put everything else in there, did he have Rice University in there and then took it out because he didn't want to be linked? He didn't want someone searching and finding out about him? Well, I'll tell you, Rennie's parents know and they're shouting it from the rooftops. So, yeah, which is the only reason I saw any of the names that I did. Uh, but looking through all their profiles, it was also incredibly sad to see this group of kids do all the things that Rennie's parents had hoped he would do. Graduate, travel, get married, start careers. Like one of them's a lawyer, there's a doctor, a banker, a design engineer, and one of them is a software systems data analyst at NASA. So it just must be heartbreaking for Rennie's parents to see these kids move on with their lives as though nothing's happened, like they were not affected in any way. And who knows, maybe they're just choosing to not be public because maybe they don't want people knowing they were on that trip because they made the questionable choice of ditching town very quickly. I don't know. They were also very young, so, I mean, who knows what you do in that situation. Uh, But I just can't imagine me personally going on a big group trip where someone goes missing, and not helping to search for that person. Even if I didn't know them, if they were part of my group, you help try and find them. And then just to return home immediately and not speak to the police is another super sketchy thing to me. Uh, One student claimed that Rennie had taken LSD and told them that he wanted to harm himself. So police believe that Rennie took LSD and entered the ocean where he likely drowned. According to Rennie's family, Rennie didn't do any type of recreational drug and he wasn't suicidal as he was looking forward to his upcoming graduation and starting the rest of his life. So just to break it down briefly, starting with the LSD. LSD, of course, is a synthetic psychoactive drug that has a chemical structure similar to serotonin. It can cause increased blood pressure, higher body temperature, shakiness, insomnia, and faster heart rate. And the average trip can last 6 to 15 hours. So if Rennie did take any LSD, it is more than possible he ended up in a dangerous situation, such as potentially drowning. However, there was no evidence that he entered the water, but it was... Who knows? It could have been as simple as he went somewhere he shouldn't have. He drowned in somebody's pool. Somebody freaked out and hid the body because they didn't want it found in their home. I don't know. Rennie's parents believe that he would never do drugs because he was a good student. And while that could be true, we also have to look at this from a no stone unturned perspective and think maybe Rennie did do some sort of drugs I mean, spring break is notorious for people doing things out of character. Maybe he wanted to blow off steam or celebrate his upcoming graduation, or maybe he was simply peer pressured into it. Or maybe, maybe someone spiked one of Rennie's drinks. After all, LSD is colorless and odorless, so he wouldn't know. Maybe it 
Was some sort of prank gone wrong or the supposed friends were trying to force Rennie to relax and have some fun? I'm convinced that's why most of the friends ran back home, because they didn't want to be questioned about where the drugs came from. Again, though, that's my own uh, thought. And then there's the part where the friend uh, who claimed that Rennie was talking about uh, harming himself Uh, As I just stated, Rennie's parents said there was absolutely no way he would ever want to harm himself. I mean, we've said it before on this show, you can never truly gauge someone's mental state. So we don't know what someone else is going through mentally. Maybe he felt pressured to be perfect and get the good grades that he got. Maybe he felt it was all overwhelming. Or maybe he never had any sort of intrusive thought whatsoever. But I just don't believe that Rennie intentionally harmed himself. I think if he was going to, he probably would have thrown out all of his belongings, not just um, his phone. It's always tough in a case where there's just no sign of the victim anywhere because it leads to just more and more questions. I'm convinced that Rennie took some sort of drugs either on his own or his drink was spiked and he wandered off under a haze and possibly fell into a body of water. There is... The West Bay Grand Lagoon and the Choctawatchee Bay near the student's rental on Front Beach Road. Not to mention the fact that they were right across the street from the Gulf of Mexico. Or maybe Rennie left the house sober or not and had some sort of confrontation with a group who were either drunk or racist or both. Panama City Beach police have stated that spring break 2014 was a tipping point, as it seems that's when the violence really started to escalate in uh, spring break. It's also possible, again, in the grand scheme of anything's possible, that someone snuck something into Rennie's drink thinking this will loosen him up, he had some sort of reaction and passed out, and the other students panicked and disposed of the body. In the episode before this one, we talked about a case where a man killed a woman in 1991 and put her body in a dumpster, and over 30 years later, that woman's body has never been found. So it's possible, although part of me wonders if that was true, then why wouldn't they get rid of Rennie's stuff to make it look like he ran off? Again, this case is just one question after another. And it's just so sad because Rennie has missed so much from his own graduation in 2014 to his sister's wedding in 2019. But his family continues to hope that one day Rennie will be found. A quote from Rennie's sister, Rishma, she said, quote, Rennie is very much a pillar in our family, and just as he would never give up on us, we refuse to give up on him. Listen, I got lots of thoughts on this. Yeah. So my first thing is this, and and, and I'm going to ask some questions that I don't think you know the answer to. Okay. So these, these may be rhetorical, but so it's 22 plus him for 23 or it's 21 plus him for 22? From the best I can tell, there were 22 plus him. Okay. So you're expecting me to believe that out of 22 peers... Yeah. He had no close friends in that gang, in that group. From uh, his mother 
Um, she has a on her own Facebook page and on the Rennie missing Facebook page. She openly posts a photo with a name of each of these kids that she knows of that went on this trip. And one apparently was like his ultimate best friend, like the BFF. But again, I know the I know the names. I don't know which of those kids went home quickly and which stayed behind. Right. So the clothes that he was last seen in, we are to believe, are the ones that were found in the trash. I do believe so, yes. So we are to believe that he was last in the world either nude or in clothes that are not his. Correct. (sighs) Okay. And his phone was found in the trash as well. Yes. Okay. There's so many things here. The big thing to me right out the gate is if that's all that we know is true. Because listen, I will I will easily say 23 college kids in a house. Yeah. I understand that there's going to be a certain amount of them that aren't overlapping. So it's possible sure. that there is a percentage, a quarter, a third of those kids that potentially may have had no idea what was going on sure. with him that night. This sure. is a speculation. But again, I just try and paint a picture as we try and you know, walk through what the possible possible scenarios here are. So I'm not suggesting that every person in that house knows exactly what was happened, happened and was present and of was course. culpable. But to suggest that no one knew what happened, 16 of them flee the next day, mm. two of them won't talk to the parents, the other four stories keep changing and someone's lawyering up. Somebody knows something. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he has at least one person in that house that's supposed to be a close friend, that person has to know something. (laughs) And the thing about that that's so odd to me is if we've learned anything, and I know this is my, like, new catchphrase doing this show, but it's like, if we've learned anything doing this show, for some reason, there are people who legitimately... I'm trying to think of how to word this. It is very often that people who are guilty or at least guilty of knowing information don't hide in plain sight. So rather than trying to help in a search to make it look like they're innocent, they do nothing. And it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating piece of true crime to me. It's a fascinating thing to learn because my instinct would be not that I'm involved in crimes, nor would I ever be. But my instinct would be, oh, my God, if I know something or I've done something, I have to insert myself into this like Scott Peterson, who was present at all the rallies, who was searching for Lacey. Now, again, I know that we're he was found guilty. So I feel like I can say that regardless of where you may lie on that or not. Sure. The point is, is that he was also, you know calling Amber Fry, I believe was her name, from those rallies saying that he was in Paris and whatnot. So there was there was some questionable behavior happening. But my point just is, is like, that's my instinct, is that people who, who know something would automatically roll up their sleeves and get involved in the search efforts to make it look like they just blend in. But what sure. we have learned, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but what I feel like we have learned again and again and again is that people don't do that. Yeah. People who often know something 
and or end up being guilty, do exactly this, which is put their head in the sand or run away and don't get involved. And it's fascinating to me. And again, I'm speculating only. I'm not saying I know anything about what these kids did. But it's again, it's just another thing to note is that in terms of patterns that we see when we look at a lot of cases, which we do, it is not abnormal. In fact, I would say it's actually more common that somebody who knows something doesn't try and blend in, instead just runs away or refuses to talk. Oh, 100%. Because you can't tell me that those kids didn't have the hope of, well, I doubt all of their na- their names aren't probably linked to that, the place they're staying at. I'm sure it yeah. was one kid that had to put their name and like credit card right. into it and whatever. So then it's, well, so it's going to be difficult and the police have to talk to somebody who's willingly going to give them every name. So you can't tell me most of those kids weren't like, you know what? I don't know anything. I don't need them to even know I was here. I'm going to leave. They had also, like, they paid for the full week. And they all, he went missing on Monday and most of them were like ditching town by Tuesday. See, that makes me feel like they know he died. Oh, I feel like, to your point, I agree. I think I think there's a chunk of them that have no clue what's going on. And they're just like, something's not right. I got to get out of here. Whether they left because they're freaked out. Because they're like, oh, I don't know what happened to him. Something could happen to me. I need to leave. Or whatever it is. But there has to be somebody in that house that knows something. Like when you saw speaking, him, yeah. When you saw it, when they last saw him, did, were they just like, "Oh, he's having a great time," and then just went about their own wet day, or was there somebody who was like, "I should go with him," and he's not doing great or whatever he's doing, or you saw him near the rental? What was he doing? Well, I have a theory about that too. Sure, go with me on this for a second. Yes. What if he? Let's take drugs out of the... Well, drugs are irrelevant in this. He he could have been doing drugs or not doing drugs. Sure. What if they were near a beach at this house? Sure. What if he, either by himself or in a small group or with a a romantic interest... Sure. ...was out in the water and some of the other friends as a prank... Skinny dipping, as people of all ages are known to do. What if his friends... Or some of his friends came across, and this is a classic prank, came across his clothes. Took them and threw them took out. Took them and sure. either threw them out inadvertently with his phone. Sure. Or took them as a prank yeah. back to the house or whatever, and then he never came back. And they were like, shit. Because you said that those clothes weren't in the trash when the the trash people came at 6 a.m. Right. Right? So they had to be after that put in the trash. So isn't it possible that these friends, as a prank, yeah. snag the clothes, take them back to the house? Because I don't think that they would throw his clothes in the garbage or throw his clothes and his phone in the garbage. That's that's pretty aggressive, especially if you're friendly enough to be sharing a beach house. Sure, sure. But what I could see is, let's take him back to the house as a prank. And then he's phoneless. Either he drowns through misadventure, a complete accident, 
Sure. Or he's nude and vulnerable, either with him by himself or with somebody else, and he he between the beach and house doesn't make it back. That's a great point. And he has no cell phone to call for help. He feasibly has no key to get back in that house. And so those kids all realize, fuck, we were the last people to see him. And we did this thing that could have led to his death. They didn't actively kill him, but they also knew they were complicit and that they would be looked at hardcore as suspects. Great point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know I mean, saying? is it possible that, yeah, sober or not, he's in that water, sees that they take the clothes and he's immediately like, well, I can't, I can't get out of the water. And then it's like, they'll come back. And he just like is waiting and waiting. But then I'm also like. How would the body not have been found? But that's why I'm I saying... I guess Current could take him out, but... Well, Current also, I don't know what the... I don't know statistically what the, like, shark or... Oh, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if there's... I know there's gators down there. I don't know if they're active in the, the gulf. I don't feel like they are. I feel like they're more in swamp areas. And sure. I don't know if that there is that many sharks in the gulf, but don't quote me. Um... But again, but I'm saying also like, yeah, what if it's not a drowning and it was his, it was him trying to get from the water back to that house. He's fully nude. He has no towel. He has nothing. He has no phone. He comes across a, a challenging group. Yeah. And something bad happens to him and, and then Lord knows what happened. Oh, Great point, because we, even though, I mean, he would have to, assuming that they just went directly out the door straight across to the beach, there's still like a road you have to cross plus a length to get to the house. And that would be quite the jog as someone who's like naked and trying to, oh God. Yeah, that's a great point. It's the first thing that hit me. Again, sometimes the simplest story is true. It's the first thing that hit me. And then those kids all go, oh my God, what did we do? We're complicit in this. We have to get rid of these clothes. We'll throw them out in the beach trash. They called police at 11 and police found the clothes at 1130. Interesting. So, But they they weren't there at 6 a.m. They could have been put there. After they called, somebody could have been like, oh, my God, we'll call the police. And someone else is like, are we going to admit that we were partially at fault and then his family's going to blame us and we didn't mean to. It was an innocent prank, whatever. And then it was, we'll just throw them out because no one will know. Because it could have been cell phone was in his pocket. Mm hmm. Oh. Yeah, this is why we do this, because I had not considered yep. that. Yeah. yeah, it's the first thing that hit me. It was just like that that many kids, especially if it was one of those things where he met a romantic partner that night. They were all out or something. And then it was like, you know how it is. You're in a big group, young, 
And then somebody catches at a distance like, oh, my God, Rennie and that person that, that he was talking to were out in sure. the ocean. Holy shit. Let's go take his clothes. Like, I could just, it's just so simple. Like, it's the oldest trick in the book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could just oh, see yeah. it being an immediate prank. And then that other person, you know, taking off or whatever, then the mood being ruined or whatever. Sure. The idea also that like one of them comes forward with this concept that it was like he was on LSD and said he wanted to end his life and so walked into the ocean. I have many thoughts about this also. Sure. One, hallucinogenics. Now, granted, LSD is not typically used as far as I know. But hallucinogenics are often used or are starting to become often used in therapy for to treat depression. So sure. I am not suggesting by any stretch of the ima imagination that means that somebody couldn't experience something on LSD where uh, they felt suicidal. In fact, having a bad trip is a real thing. Now, one could speculate that uh, as a, a woman who has been alive for a certain amount of years, perhaps... I may have experienced some things and sure. perhaps some of those things involved not great experiences, sure. um, uh, you know, which we don't need to get into the into the specifics of. But that being said, I also just I don't know how much LSD you would have to take to. Like, like it's, I, I, I mean, I guess the question would be how much LSD do you have to take to completely incapacitate you so that you would unknowingly drown? I, I, I think it would have to be an astronomical amount. I think the whole point is that you can take quite a bit of LSD and you can have a real bad time, a real scary bad time, sure. but I don't know that like you're going to just pass out in the ocean and, and drown. I could be wrong on this, but you sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It, it just, it just doesn't add up to me. If it was heroin, different story. Different sure. story. If it was like he was getting into hardcore opiates, different story. But like LSD, I'm like, I, I just feel like the amount you'd have to take to like OD or get so out of your mind. I don't know. I just don't buy it. And I do also think even if, let's, let's say for a second, he'd taken a bunch of LSD. Sure. Maybe he said, I want to die. What, once again, I'm speculating that someone on a bad trip yes. could say the words, holy shit, this is terrible. I want to die. And that doesn't mean that they are suicidal. Sure. Or wanting to actually take their life. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that it's also like, and I wasn't there and I don't know. And obviously, if he was communicating that he was really struggling, that is completely a possibility as well. I'm just trying to look at this from all different angles, which is what we do on this show, because that's what good detectives do, uh, even though, you know, we see that not necessarily happen all the time um, when these cases are are being, you know, investigated. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just something about that to me that just feels so tacked on. Oh, I, I'm, I would love to hear the, the, the longer of it. Cause I need to believe that a, one of the person, one of the people gave that statement in a, he took this LSD. He said he wanted to harm himself. I need to believe that a follow-up was asked because I just want, like, are you implying he was the only one that did any drugs? 
was did he do them at all and you were just like you needed an excuse that you could think of that would put the blame on him i don't know i'm now leaning towards they took his clothes in a prank which i could also see them maybe they're all just drunk and they're all like hey let's uh see who can get in the the ocean first but you have to be naked so they all like race down to the beach. He's like tearing clothes off, gets in the water, and it was all just a ruse. And they grab his clothes and they're all, you know, full frat guys that are like, ha ha, and then take off with them. And then they didn't see him again after that. Yeah. It's like, how long then does, I mean, I assume a long time and based on the time of year and the temperatures, what are we looking at for like, how long for hypothermia? Great question. Great question. I feel like Gulf of Gulf of Mexico is pretty warm, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. And again, it's it's nighttime. Listen, what's what are the undercurrents? There's a million like, yep. you know, the ocean is is not look, it 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 is it's one of those things where it's like it's beautiful and you and you don't cross it. You know what I mean? Like the ocean is a it's a delicate delicate lover. Um <sighs> <laughs> it's 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 as beautiful as it is dangerous you know what i'm saying like I, but again i just feel like yeah to your point to me it feels like misadventure to me it feels like and truthfully were the clothes tested did we find remnants of lsd did we find you know did we find any sort of indication was there blood was there anything on those clothes that would suggest anything other than you know because because let's put it this way if it wasn't a prank yes then those clothes are a huge clue in and in fact are quite serious i mean they're serious either way but do you know what i'm saying like if this person's clothes and cell phone are found in a trash can and you were to believe that he is Lord knows where without them. Yeah. Those clothes become exceptionally important to this case. Again, how are you testing them? What are you looking for? Like this is this then becomes like a different ball game to me. And my gut yeah. is telling me that probably A, I, I don't know how seriously it was taken. And B, it doesn't truly matter because again, I I just my gut is leaning towards prank gone wrong oh it's more than possible i did not see anything about the clothes being tested i wouldn't be surprised if they weren't since they didn't seem to be doing a search right away so it just also waiting like 72 hours could something have been found if they looked i don't know right away well, yeah. One more question for you. And again, you yes. may not know the answer to this. So he was last seen around 6 p.m., I believe you said. Between 6.30 and 7. Yeah, I think. Thank you. And was that by, that was by one of the friends in the house? As far as I can tell, yes. Great. So once again, then we unravel, we unravel once again. My question is, when was the last time he was seen by somebody who wasn't in that house? Great point. Because then it changes the timeline also. That is true. 
Uh, apparently, I've been wildly trying to find this uh, to be able to give you uh, Panama City Beach in March. The water temperature averages 65 Fahrenheit. Ooh, okay. That's chilly. Is it? I don't know Fahrenheit. <laughs> yes. I so don't sorry. think that you're going to, I don't know that you're going to succumb in 65, but that's, that's brisk. Okay. Okay. Well, it said, uh, uh, the warmest at Panama City Beach in March would be like 76. The coldest would be 59. And this is all Fahrenheit. Yeah, 59. Oh, God. Now I'm really, uh, really testing myself. 59 is 15 Celsius. Oof. So again, free, like, 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 again, very brisk, not comfortable, but I don't know that you're going to, I don't know that you're going to succumb to 15. Yeah. I mean, it just, for me, I guess, depends on how long are you in there. But yeah, I just feel like they have somebody has to know something. One more added piece Ooh, of fodder to think about. Sure. Throwing this out there. Yeah. I'm not beginning to assume we know Rennie's sexual preference, uh, sexual sure. orientation, but it doesn't matter. This point still stands. We're in a group with mixed genders. Yeah. And mixed sexualities i'm sure statistically um is it possible we've all been college age aged even if we went to college or not sure is it possible that there is an added layer where there was someone who was interested in someone else in that house 23 of them i'm gonna say it Oh. Probably some crushes going on. Oh, 100%. Crushes or potential relationships. There that could be some true. couples in that group. That's the other thing. We don't know that either. Is it possible Rennie was with someone who was in a relationship with someone else in that house? Or w- was someone else in that house was interested? Is there that layer where then it's, Rennie's out in the ocean with blank. Are you kidding me? Well, this is bullshit, whatever. And then that also adds into the equation. Was there a fist fight of some kind? Was there a drowning of some kind? Was there a, you know what I mean? Then then we start to get into the more kind of nefarious possibilities. But even if you take those off the table, is there just the added stakes that somebody knew? Well, Blank and blank were a couple, or blank one was interested in blank two, and Rennie was in the the water with blank two. That was the last. Well, we can't tell the police that because the second police know that Rennie was in the water with blank two and blank two was either dating or had interest from this other person. Now we're all complicit in there could be a motive. Yeah. These these kids aren't dumb. You said they went on to be lawyers and oh, doctors yeah. and you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's like these kids knew one of them knew to lawyer up. So that says yeah. to me that they knew that it was like if we tell the truth, obviously, if we tell the full truth, yeah. someone is going to get in trouble. Even if and what I'm saying here is even if it was all an accident, they yes. knew there was a very large possibility that somebody could get in trouble. Oh, yeah. Even at bare minimum, like a civil suit from the family for wrongful death. Yep. 
And again, if you add in another layer that he could have been getting perceivedly too close, quote unquote, to someone in the the house that somebody else was either interested in or in a relationship with, I'm just saying it ups the stakes once again. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I, I mean, you bring up the great question. Did they test the clothes that they found? Did they test the clothes that were in his room? Did they check the room to see if he was the only one staying in it? Like, there's... That's just, a great point, too. I just don't know how much was done. You know? Yeah. And I think, too, I understand that at first glance for the police, when it's during this time that is so cuckoo bananas and oh, that there's yeah. so much going on, I understand that they're like, oh, you can't find somebody. Guess what? There's there's 80 of those going on currently. Sure. I get that. I'm not making excuses, but I get that. That's just a reality, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent. But where it breaks down for me, again, is that this person was last seen in these clothes, allegedly in these clothes that were found in the trash. That's where it breaks down for me. Why wasn't there a move then to go like, okay, this is a different one. This isn't just someone is missing and potentially is going to show up in the next 12 to 36 hours. This was no, a man is missing nude. And that's. Already to me is like that we're we're at the next level now, guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there is a part of me that's like, oh God, what do they see during spring break? Great but, point. But at the same time, it's like I uh to your point, yes, I get it. I get that people are probably that uh, specifically police are probably like, oh. Kids, you always jump to conclusions. They go missing all the time. They'll show up. They just went off with someone else. They went to another party, whatever. But the amount of times we have a case that's like a cop is like, oh, they're a runaway. It's fine. And then it's like, it's been years. They're not just a runaway. And I... But again, I I I know this makes me sound like I'm defending the police, which is very rare for me on this show. But but I'm like, I'd love to know the statistics of how many of those the the person was last seen naked. Like, I know that I can't let that go. But to me, it's just like it it does. And you're right. It's spring break. Maybe they see that shit all the time and it doesn't make them bat an eye. And that's possible. But of course, my brain just goes to. How I'll say it and then we can move on. Sure. How powerful are the families of these kids? Oh. If they're doctors and lawyers, et cetera, coming out of these kids. Oh, I I I assume that rice isn't exactly cheap to attend. So. So again, then that takes us down the road that we go down all the time on this show, which is trust no one. Yeah. You never know. It's terrifying yes Oof. well listen <sighs> confounding fascinating all of the above that is for sure and for certain um but let's take one more break we're gonna come back and, and we're not done yet there's still a little bit more coming on this episode there's more true crime so stick around get one more drink hit the can and we'll be brat we'll be brack wow we'll be back with more on this episode of true crime and cocktails Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We, of course, were talking the case of Rennie Joe's but I know that Christy did not want to leave it there. She's got a little bit more. What say you, Oxborough? <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever called me that before, but I enjoy it. Uh, I've yeah. had some to drink, <laughs> and I enjoy that more. Um, I Yeah, I knew that today's there wasn't a lot to that case, and people are probably like, was that it? That's all that's out there. There's just, I just don't know how much the case was looked into. So there's just not a lot there. So staying with the theme of spring break, there was another case. Um, It has been brought up to us before. We've had multiple dear listeners uh, suggest this as a case for us, um, which uh, we love the suggestions. It just sometimes takes a very long time for us to get to them. But this one, there was a recent update. On this case. So I was like, now's the time then. So, Brittany Marie Drexel was born October 7th, 1991 in Rochester, New York. She loved soccer and had dreams of becoming a maternity nurse. In April 2009, Brittany wanted to make a trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for spring break. Brittany's mother, Dawn, said no but agreed to let Brittany spend the night at a friend's house. But as teenagers often do, Brittany went to Myrtle Beach anyway, under this guise of, oh, well, I'm just going to go stay with a friend at a friend's house. And really, they just actually went down to South Carolina. Right. She last spoke with her mother on April 25th, 2009. That night, Brittany went to meet Peter... Brozowitz, a friend of hers from Rochester at the Blue Water Resort on Ocean Boulevard. Peter brought four other friends with him, and Brittany only stayed for about 10 minutes. Security cameras caught Brittany leaving Blue Water Resort alone at 8.45 p.m. She then texted her boyfriend, John, who was back in Rochester. Brittany said she was walking back to the Bar Harbor Motel where she and her friends were staying. Then Brittany suddenly stopped responding to John's messages. So John contacted the friends that Brittany had traveled with, and they said they last spoke to her around 8 p.m. Worried, John then texted Brittany's mother, Dawn, to say, Brittany went to Myrtle Beach. No one can talk with her. No one can find her anywhere. And honestly, kudos to John for acting immediately instead of waiting or brushing it off which is the usual sketchy behavior we see 
from significant others on this show. And also just telling the truth. Yeah. He, 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 he yeah. Meaning, meaning that typically also it's like, well, she is doing something wrong. She lied. Yes. But it's very rare. I don't feel I, I'm, I mean, I'm buzzing. I'm so excited. And listen, I don't even know how this goes, but I'm just so proud of John. <laughs> oh, it's nice. It's nice, it's nice to have a significant other, boyfriend, husband, anything like that, that comes into a case like this and is immediately like, okay, here's the deal. This is what happened. Let's be truthful about it. Let's figure out how to save it. Like, let's solve this her. case. I'm worried yeah. about her safety. The lie doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's the point, dear listeners. And if you're a lo- young person, hear me now. Yeah. Your your parents, their parents, no one will be as upset with you ever, ever as they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you really think someone's in danger, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yes. It can make the difference. Anyway, I'm oh, getting ahead of us. I've Go been ahead. telling my teenager since the time that I thought he might end up at a party where alcohol is served that it's like i'm not saying go drink i'm saying if you're ever in a situation where the only person available to drive is drunk or if you yourself are drunk do not think that i'm gonna get angry with you call me i will come get you whatever it takes i will come get you anytime in the night i will come get you do not get in a car Either yourself or somebody else who's drunk. Will I then punish him later for drinking underage? Of course I will. But you're not going to hear it from me that night. I'm no. not going to complain. I'm going to pick you up because then I'll sleep easier knowing that you're safe. And it's never going to be as bad because A, you'll still be alive, child. Uh-huh. And or B, I'm sure the punishment for some underage drinking is probably going to be less uh, less of a punishment than... Uh, underage drinking and driving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, hedge yeah. your bets at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, and they would be praised so much. Yeah. So much for being like, at least, like you had the sense to to get a ride. And I've offered and been like, and look, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to yell at you the whole way home. I'm going to be like, hey. You did the right thing. Let's go home so I can go back to bed. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I by we, love... I mean, have my husband do it because I'm not the disciplinarian. Shocking. <laughs> of course. I know. Of course. I know. What I love is that it's so shocking that a young person came, cl- or any real person in a true crime case, came clean with a parent that has derailed this entire story because yeah. we're both genuinely shocked, delighted, yeah. And proud because you just don't, I don't feel like we've ever heard this No, in the almost two years we've been doing this show. I don't think yeah. I've ever heard. And then the person just came clean because they were worried about the safety of their partner. I've never heard this. It's nice. It's a nice change. God bless. You know what else is a nice change? The fact that you look like you're sitting on a throne. I did change the area in my home and we're doing this from, I, we should have brought it up earlier. Anyway, keep going, well, keep going. We we didn't have time. We were too busy talking about Ryan Gosling blossoming. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Look, put a gun in his hand and yes, sir. <laughs> or strap it <laughs> to his thigh. Oh, you know I like that. Oh, for Gray Man too. Put a gun on his thigh. 
please. I don't know who I, I, I don't know who I'm asking that to, but they know. They don't listen to this. Stop it. So the police were phoned at 5 a.m. Brittany's cell phone last pinged a tower around midnight near South Santee River, uh, which is about 54 miles or 87 kilometers southwest of Myrtle Beach. Her parents, Dawn and Chad, went to Myrtle Beach to search for Brittany and hand out flyers. John made the trip to help with the search and to hand out flyers. So add a boy again, John. Uh, John and Brittany had been dating off and on for two and a half years. And again, it's just so nice to not have a significant other be an immediate suspect. Yeah. It's, it's a nice change. Uh, despite their search efforts, Brittany was nowhere to be found. Brittany Drexel was just 17 at the time of her disappearance. She was described as a Caucasian female, five feet tall, 103 pounds with brown hair and green eyes. Police say that Peter, that she met with at the uh, Blue Water Resort, and his friends weren't suspects in Brittany's disappearance. But I find it super sketchy that between 1 and 2 a.m., Peter checked out of his hotel and returned to Rochester. The four friends stayed behind. In June 2010, Gates Chili High School handed out an honorary diploma in Brittany's memory, which was the first one the school had issued in its history. Two months later, the city of Myrtle Beach announced they would be installing 20 new surveillance cameras throughout the city because of Brittany's disappearance. Wow. In June 2016, the FBI announced that they had exhaustive evidence that made them believe that Brittany was murdered although they didn't share what any of that evidence was. Then in August 2016, Timothy Deshaun Taylor, a man in prison on robbery charges from 2011, uh, said that another inmate who was doing 25 years for voluntary manslaughter confessed to him that he sexually assaulted a girl who matched Brittany's description. Taylor claimed the inmate said that uh, he sexually assaulted the girl at a stash house, and then when she tried to run, he shot her, wrapped up her body, and dumped it in an alligator pit. A well-known stash house was searched, as were 40 alligator pits, but there was no sign of Brittany. Police also wondered if Brittany had been a victim of human, human trafficking, as there were a dozen confirmed cases of human trafficking in Myrtle Beach, around that time. Whoa! Which is horrifying. Horrifying. Uh, years later, police publicly announced that they had a new suspect, 62-year-old Raymond Douglas Moody, who had a dark history of sexual offenses. In 1983, Moody was charged with abducting and sexually assaulting seven girls under the age of 14. Woof. In Northern California. He was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and somehow, in 2004, he was released after serving 21. He, his supervised parole ended in 2007, and in 2010, Moody failed to register as a sex offender. He was considered a suspect in similar cases to the ones in 1983, but was never charged for them. 
Modi became a person of interest in Britney's disappearance in February 2012, but police weren't immediately able to find evidence linking him to the crime. The day after Britney disappeared, Moody was pulled over for speeding and giving a t- given a ticket in a town called Surfside, which is only about 8 miles or 13 kilometers from Myrtle Beach. Police also searched the Georgetown motel room where George was staying when Britney disappeared, but nothing was found. Now, police have not said what led to them arresting Moody in connection with Britney's disappearance, but he was officially arrested May 4th, 2022, and charged with obstructing justice. Moody then confessed to killing Britney Drexel and admitted to police where he had buried her body. On May 7th, the remains were excavated, and on May 11th, the remains were positively identified through dental records as Britney Drexel. Moody said that after leaving the Blue Water Resort, Brittany voluntarily got into a vehicle nearby where she was driven to Georgetown County and held against her will. Moody then sexually assaulted Brittany and strangled her to death at a boat ramp on the Santee River before burying her body in a wooded area 30 miles or 48 kilometers away the next day. Moody has since been charged with kidnapping, murder, first-degree criminal sexual conduct, and obstructing justice. We're currently waiting to find out if Moody will plead guilty or if there will be a trial, but I think we can all agree that Moody should be in jail for the rest of his life. And the fact that Moody should have been in prison at the time of Brittany's disappearance is completely enraging. It is so obvious to me that he never should have been released, I think attacking seven children um, would have made that clear, but that's just the kind of person I am. Reporting for True Crime and Cocktails, I'm Christy Oxborough. Yeah, that is a true tragedy. Um, It's interesting to me because attacking seven kids, I feel like, I I guess for me, it just, it, it comes down to, so many things. Sure. But in, in terms of that, it's like, is this person able to be rehabilitated? Is there proof that he's been rehabilitated? The chances that someone who has committed those kinds of crimes is going to reoffend is exceptionally high. Um, yeah. And if you can't show me a lot of tangible, uh, you know, proof that there has been significant work done therapeutically to that person, then yeah, no. No, this is a perfect example. If he had stayed in and done the time that he was sentenced to, yep. she would be alive, period. 100%. Um, or she certainly would have been killed by him at that time. So that's um, that's a real tragedy. That's really sad. And I'm, I'm very sad that in the one case where we were like championing and getting so excited that someone came forward, unfortunately, this is the way it turned out. But again, it's further proof that he was in the right. Again, his gut was right, which was something's wrong. Uh, I need to just fess up and say she lied to you. This is the truth. Um, Use the term stash house. What's that about? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's a stash house? I assume a stash house is something to do with human trafficking. I'm going to Google it quickly. I'm going to hate myself for Googling it. 
but I'm going to Google it quickly. I also assumed it meant something about drugs, but... I think you're probably right. Um, we'll keep going. I'll, well, I'll vamp. what is a stash house? Uh, a home where weapons and supplies are hidden. Oh, so it's just literally what it sounds like. Okay, great. Yeah. For some reason, I thought mustache, like stash house, and that's... That I... I cannot say whether like, or not the people there had mustaches. Well, of course, but it makes more sense that it's more just about the hiding. Of course. Um, that's on me. Um, it's so horrifying to know that there was dozens of cases of human trafficking in the area at this time, that there was, again, this this man who had been let out of prison. Uh, I mean, oh, it's just so sad. All of it's so sad. And again, too, like, she was still in high school, right? That's that's yep. part of, um, part of the, oh, it's just so, it's it's so senseless and so meaningless. And so, it's hard to wrap your head around again when, especially, it's someone that was supposed to be in prison at that time. I know. I know. And I know that police say that he has nothing to do with it, but the guy that she, the friend she met checked out of a hotel at one or two in the morning to head back home well who let's checks break out that at, down who for a checks second out at 1 a.m let's break that down for a second so this fuck douglas moody yeah he said that she willingly got into a car with him correct uh, he didn't say with him but he said she willingly got into a vehicle okay well what does this sound like at face value. At face value, we're speculating. We're just built trying to build a timeline here. Is it possible this Peter character made a move of some kind? It sure. sounds like Brittany and her boyfriend, John, were pretty close. They've been together for a couple years. It sounded like he was a pretty good guy. Is it sure. possible this Peter guy made a move? Brittany said no. He left her. She got into a car. She didn't know where she was. She... She could have been intoxicated to some level or not. Sure. She took a ride because she felt like she had no other option. Sure. And Peter realized, holy shit, what have I done? I just left her. Now I can't find her anywhere. I got to get the fuck out of here because I'm the number one suspect. I'm the last person that saw her alive. That is. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It just feels sketchy to check out of a hotel at 1 a.m. A hundred percent it is. There's no reason to, like, for what reason? You Unless, I guess you have to go back and work, but come on. Yeah, then you would have left hours ago. Right? Like, it just, there's something about that, even though police are like, oh, that's nothing. I'm like, that is it. It just, it, it doesn't sit well with me. No. I think at the very least, he probably put her in harm's way. Oh, it sounds I can see to me it. like at, at the very least he like left her somewhere or they got into an argument and he, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. And at the high end, who knows? Who knows how deep it could have gone with this guy? Again, oh, yeah. trust no one. Nothing will shock me ever again. If you told yeah. me he was in cahoots with human traffickers or yeah. this Douglas movie, Moody character wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying he was. That's not even a speculation. I'm just saying, if that came out, there's nothing you could say that would shock me anymore, truly. Like, it's, it's you no. get dead inside eventually because it's just the <laughs> oh. depravity of human nature is yeah. 
deplorable. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And we've just barely scratched the surface of some of the worst stuff. I know. And I know there's going to be a lot of darkness to come. Carry on my wayward son. Thank you for uh, that. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, what a what a tragic story. But again, you know, much like I feel like it was last week, maybe, or the week before, it, it turned into me just trying to be like Auntie Lauren, being like, to the youth. <laughs> Listen, learn. Um, of course. You know, it's it's I think the big thing, and and we did touch on this before, that's right. It's it's that it's 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 always have a buddy. Never leave yeah. your buddy. Um, yeah. You know, and this is not said to be shaming any of these victims whatsoever. Nobody no. did anything wrong except for the people that did the crimes. It's just I'm I'm saying again, let us let us learn what we can from these things, and and ne- always have a buddy. Never and never leave your buddy. And I know that there will be times where it's like, oh, but there's this person and they're interested in me or whatever. Just never leave your buddy. It's got to yeah. be a got to be a ride or die situation literally at times yes oh yes and yeah no matter how hot that person is it's not worth it it's, it's trust me trust me it's never worth it no it may feel like it in the moment but in 20 years oh boy you'll be happy you had spent the time with your friend you know what i mean like sure. you just yeah come on um Wow. Well, again, I still commend John and and it's at least there is an answer for this family, because, again, if we learned anything through the the first of our missing series, it is tough when it's no answers. I know. know? For so long, I can't imagine. I know. Uh, Unrelated, I have to give a quick shout out. You mentioned uh, a town called Surfside. Yeah. And I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to one of our Dear listeners and dear friends of mine, Ms. Jan, Jan Caruana, my old roommate, oh. uh, we used to have a, uh, an apartment that we called Surfside, Surfside Six. Six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I haven't heard the term Surfside in so long. You said Surfside, and all I th- could hear was Jan's voice going, Surfside Six. Who lives there? Surfside Six. Young bachelors. <laughs> anyway. Um, so shout out to Jan. I know she listens to the show, and we love her very much. We do. I still have her backpack. Oh, my God. I mean, yes, because, again, shockingly, 20-plus years ago, I made a trip, and even back then, <laughs> I needed more bags to come home than I did to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And she very beautifully offered up uh, her backpack. And the the plan was I was going to send it back to her. And I have offered multiple times, I think, to send it back. And she's always been like, it's yours. Because that's Bless. just who she is. Bless. With just well, listen. Like, sunshine in human form. Too true. Very true. Yeah. And also, I happen to know a merch store that has some true crime and cocktails backpacks. You may <laughs> find one at our doorstep sooner than later. <laughs> um, Christy Oxborough, amazing work. Listen, again, here's the thing. We go where the cases take us. And if we've learned anything from some of our episodes, like when yours truly is in the driver's seat, uh, sometimes they can be verbose and long. And sometimes, again, we present the information as we find it, and that's what it is. But I think that that's really honoring the process. It would be disingenuous for us to try and uh, create something out of nothing. 
just to try and meet a minimum uh, time limit or what have you. Uh, So I think that this was fantastic. We learned a lot. I I liked that we got some uh, bonus true crime at the end there. And I hope that uh, for the sake of Rennie Joe's family, um, some answers, some guilty consciences start to weigh on some people and someone comes forward so that they can get some peace also, much like the family of, of Brittany Drexel. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's all we want when we mention one, especially that's unsolved is the hope is somebody here, I guess somebody hears it or something and it inspires someone to just tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah. The truth will set you three. Set you three. Oh, boy. Well, it's been four high noons. And thank you, dear listeners, for listening to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We so appreciate your support. Uh, If you haven't already, give us a follow on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at True Crime and Cocktails, Twitter at Not Detectives. And if you'd like a little bit more, you want some bonus episodes, a monthly live Q&A to vote in the monthly poll, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails, and check that out for more about that subscription-based service. It's a whole lot of fun. And the only place for official True Crime and Cocktails merch is truecrewmerch.com. So check that out as well if you're interested. Christy, do you want to tell the people about next week's episode well i thought you might want to because it's uh it's your baby isn't it i couldn't possibly on the next (laughs) true crime and cocktails another first season four premiere this is going to be another series much like our missing series of episodes it's the first of our prosecutor profiles and this one of course is the one and only marcia clark hey oh very excited i'll be in the driver's seat for that one uh, and I am jazzed. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, Dave Girl. Good night, Lloyd Hansen. You're naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.